Everybody, this is Jimmy Smith, and on today's MMA on Sirius XM podcast, I get into what the ceiling could be for Bo Nickel after dominating on Dana White's Contender Series again and getting his UFC contract. Plus, I speak to PFL lightweight finalist Stevie Ray about his upcoming championship fight against Olivier Albon Mercier in the first ever PFL pay-per-view card on November 25th. Bo Nickel, of course, 52 seconds. In uh, a night that five contracts were given away, he was one of them. This is a surprise to absolutely no one that Bo Nickel would win and probably win decisively. Uh, of course, Laura Sanko joining us, but, but, but here's the deal. I am here partly because people believe I know what I'm doing about MMA, but part of that is I've seen a hell of a lot of prospects. A lot. And the idea that so many haven't worked out, depending on it's there are a lot of factors, okay? And one thing I tell people is imagine what goes into the NFL draft. Tens of millions of dollars. People who have been in football longer than I've been in MMA say this is a can't miss prospect. Every tangible is off the chart. Psychologically, they look great. They're a great fit for this scheme for this particular team or whatever it is, and they bomb. And tens of millions of dollars go in, goes into that, let alone the MMA route of a couple fights. They win. Okay, I guess you're in. So we are going to be discussing a lot today, Bo Nickel, the performance against Donovan Beard, and he's shown off some really excellent skills. He has. If you didn't watch the Donovan Beard fight, knocked him down with an overhand left. He's a southpaw, Bo Nickel. A lot of wrestlers, by the way, uh, fight southpaw because they're used to leading with their right leg for takedowns. And so rather than teach them how to wrestle with one leg forward and strike with the other leg forward, they just make them southpaws. Hey, KLB, were you a southpaw? Because a lot of wrestlers, because you're right leg dominant. Yes, yeah, exactly. Because you wrestle with your right leg forward, right? No, I know that's actually, part of it for a lot was, of people. Yeah, It's weird. I, I throw righty, I write righty, but I always batted lefty, everything lefty. Anything that oh, so you're, you are left-handed. Okay. Yeah. I, I know with a lot of no, wrestlers, it's, it's... I'm not entirely yeah. left-handed because, like I said, my yeah. dominant... I throw righty and I, and I write righty, but, like, I'm just weird, I guess. I'm one of those sure. weird people who does who, who switches stances. But, I yeah, I'm, I'm traditionally... Anything that requires a stance or, like, holding a baseball bat, hockey stick, all that, I'm left-handed. Yeah, I... I, I a striking coach I had, you know, part of my team, he worked with a lot of wrestlers, and he goes, if they're dominant with their right leg forward for their takedown, we just teach them to be southpaws, rather than, because they don't know the difference. So it's like, okay, well, why weird. teach them I, orthodox? Wrestling's yeah. the only sport where, like, leading your right foot is almost, like, considered orthodox. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's an odd yeah. thing. It's, it's your, yeah, yeah. But wrestlers, you know, for people who haven't wrestled, we, we tend to have our right leg forward. Um, of course, some people are like southpaw wrestlers. Yeah, they're, they're left leg forward, but it's pretty rare. So anyway, so Bo Nickel's a southpaw probably because that's how he wrestled, and they just said, hey, we're going to make you a southpaw. So um, the, the interesting thing about this fight against Donovan Beard, who came in 7-1, and one, that's a decent record, was on a two-fight win streak, CFFC champion, for whatever that means, all right, and knocked him down. Went for a mounted guillotine, couldn't quite get it. Donovan Beard ends up on top. Bo Nickel catches him with a triangle. Great stuff. So we saw a wide variety of skills, right? We saw decent striking. He's a little loopy, but, you know, decent striking. Uh, obviously worked from his back to get the triangle. 
he's a monster on top. I already knew that. Wrestlers always have great front chokes. Guillotine, anaconda, Peruvian necktie, all that stuff. Oh, by the way, um, uh, Seth freaking Rollins in Raw Monday night did a Peruvian necktie. I got to call a Peruvian necktie in, in professional wrestling. It was a lot of fun. Anyway, on uh, Rey Mysterio. So anyway, um, we saw this progression of skills. Right? It, it was certainly there. So the big question here, where does he go? How good is he really? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Bo Nickel, if you don't know his background, by the way, four-time NCAA finalist, three-time champion, not a fantastic international wrestler. And what I mean by that is when we discuss his credentials, world titles, uh, Olympic medals, that kind of thing, those typically, for people who don't know the, 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 the trajectory of amateur wrestling, you win however many titles you win in college. Usually for the best, it's at least two. Uh, you move on to the international scene after, scene after that. In your mid-20s to late-30s is when you do your best international work. So the Russian system, the Iranian system, they tend to produce wrestlers internationally better earlier. Americans, we tend to win NCAA titles. We start our international career usually at the senior level, 23, 20, 22, 23 years old. KOB, all this fair? You get what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So Bo Nickel never got to that level. He never, you know, went to the Olympic trials. He lost um, to David Taylor, who, by the way, took gold, just recently took a world medal. He's not going to beat David Taylor. And part of the reason I think Bo Nickel's in MMA is he wasn't going to beat David Taylor anytime soon. So when he jumped into the international level, there was a senior guy with more experience ahead of him. Every time he was going to wrestle David Taylor, he was probably going to lose for the next few years. That could be his prime. So... The reason he doesn't have the credentials of other guys is he never went international. He went into fighting instead. So I'll explain that in a little bit. So Bo Nickel responded to the critics, air quotes, whoever that might be, on the DC and RC show. This is what he had to say. Bring it. I'm ready to go. So, you know, I don't think a lot of dudes like to talk and say crazy stuff. How, you know, I'm only 2-0. I don't have experience. I've never been in there. You've never done what I've done. You're not a three-time national champion. You didn't compete for the greatest collegiate program in college wrestling history. Mm. You didn't train since you were five years old. And I grew up doing this. This is what I live for. I train every day. I put the work in. And, uh, you know, so... For them to be coming at me saying, I don't know what it feels like is a little outlandish. I competed in sold out Madison Square Garden at 18 years old. Like, who, who else is doing that? So I think at the end of the day, it's a little crazy for guys to talk that way. And, you know, but the results will prove themselves. And yeah. as uh, I get more experience okay, and more bro. fights, people will jump on the bandwagon when the time comes. Uh, he means Penn State, by the way. When he says the greatest wrestling program, well, Penn State. He wrestled at Penn State. So, and by the way, on some unreal teams at Penn State. If, if you watch his career, not only was he outstanding, uh, pin in the national finals, by the way, if you don't know about that, um, sticking guys during the NCAA tournament. He also was on a team where he was part of this murderer's row in, in the weight class. The, uh, his weight class and weight class around him were just unreal. So, enough of that. What do I make of his performance? I like that it showed a lot of different well-rounded skills. Winning by rear naked choke or front choke as a wrestler is the easiest way you can win. I'm not knocking it. I'm saying if he had won by guillotine, yeah, wrestlers tend to have nasty guillotines. Wrestlers tend to be positionally really good, so they tend to win by Renika Choke. They tend to have great scrambles and all this stuff. So the idea that he A, showed he could knock somebody down, I wouldn't say out, but knocked him down, um, finished from his back, right, which wrestlers are usually garbage from their backs for at least a few years. And the idea that he did all that is good. I will go back to this point 
over and over and over again tonight. Oh, like like all afternoon, I'm going to go back to this point. I can't tell you anything about a fighter who is at this point, as we're sitting here talking about him, three and zero in his MMA career. All of them in the first round. One has gone past a minute, and that was a minute and two seconds in his first uh, Dana White's Contending Series fights. I I just can't speak intelligently about this stuff. Have you ever seen a a an interview with a real legitimate biologist about Bigfoot? Ever seen one of those? Ever seen like on any of these shows? Like a real biologist when they're asked about Bigfoot? Sometimes. Not a Bigfoot biologist. Like a real like you know. They go look if if I find like if you don't give me oh, what do you think of this video? I can't. I don't know what's on a video. I I, I I don't know. I don't know. That could be anything. If I get one in a lab. I can tell you about it. If I open up a deceased specimen of a Bigfoot, I can tell you a lot about him. But sitting here looking at the video, I can't really tell you. Looking at a freaking video of a UFO, and you ask uh, an Army aircraft person, Air Force, Navy, whatever, they're going to go, ah, it looks like a ball in the sky. Don't know what to tell you. If I can't open it up and look at it, I don't know what to tell you. There's only so much I can do with the information in front of me. Similar kind of thing with Bo Nickel. What I'm seeing is really good. I've seen a lot of fighters look really good in their first five, six fights. The issue, the difficulty, the problem is he's now considered a really hot prospect in the greatest mixed martial arts promotion in the world. Now, will they bring him up the right way? Probably. Obviously, we'll get into his call-out of Kamzat Shemaev later and how Dana's responding to that. We'll get into that. But the issue right now is when you, when you look at his, his potential, you have to bring him up the right way. You just do. He's a great wrestler with rudimentary striking and rudimentary jiu-jitsu. I'm not saying bad. I'm saying, you know, not world-class, any of those things. And his wrestling is world-class. He can take on... Guys who win medals at the Olympic level and not look like an idiot. Once again, not going to beat David Taylor. He's not going to beat Jordan Burroughs. But, well, he's not going to look like a fool either. He's going to hang with those guys. All right? So, when you think about the history, there have been better wrestlers in the UFC. Kevin Jackson won an Olympic gold medal. Right? Everybody remember that one? Kevin Jackson back in the day? Now, a different era of, of, of MMA, period. Certainly one of the UFC. But he did. He was an Olympic gold medalist. All right? Um, the idea that Mark Schultz, Olympic gold medalist, once again, fought in the UFC in a completely different era. Um, Royce Alger, excellent wrestler. Uh, three-time national champ, similar to Bo Nickel. Uh, fought in the UFC twice, lost both times. Tapped out and then knocked out. Uh, buh, 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 buh. Instant Inouye beat him. And then Eugene Jackson beat him. That's from memory. I'm doing what I can here. So I've seen guys with similar credentials not do well. It's rare in this era of MMA. The reason is, back in the day, um, you could be an Olympic gold medalist, but that's pretty much what you were walking in with, and that's what you fought with. And, um, oh, my God. Uh, Townsend Saunders, Olympic silver medalist, by the way. Once again, earlier era of MMA. 
Nowadays, if you walk in with real credentials like Bo Nickel to American Top Team, Jackson Wink, a.k.a., they're going to give you a lot of special training. You're getting a lot of special attention because of those skills. So it's not just that Bo Nickel is an amazing athlete, which he is. Being an amazing athlete and being a three-time national champion will get you training that not everybody's going to get with this skill set. So there's that. So there are better wrestlers on paper. Ed Ruth fought in Bellator, three-time national champion at Penn State. Extremely similar. And he hasn't done badly, but he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been been, uh, a champion in Bellator, right? He's coming off two losses in a row, two and three in his last five. Very similar credentials to Bo Nickel. Very similar. Once again, he was smoking guys in the NCAAs. He was just really, really good. And, you know, is, is, is you know, doing well in Bellator, but isn't, he didn't blaze his way to a championship. And right now, he's on a little bit of a skid in a very difficult division. So it's, it's all about the, the fights you are given at the right time. Later on in the show, we'll discuss how he can be brought up and what Dana White thinks of him and all of these things. I'm not saying I'm not impressed. What I'm saying is... The body of work isn't big enough for me to speak intelligently about how he's going to do in the UFC. Aaron Pico was a can't-miss prospect. Oh, my God, he's going to do amazing things. Loses his Bellator debut. And, obviously, early losses to Henry Corrales, blah, 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 Adam Borix, and he's, he's bounced back from that. But, you know, he hasn't blazed his way to a title or anything like that. So there just isn't a big enough body of work. Do you remember Terry Sokaju? Remember Sokaju? I know this is kind of back in the day a little bit. A little bit back in the day, yeah. but yes, I do remember. Right. He knocked out Hikaru Arona in pride, knocked out Little Nog, just backed, boom, 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 destroyed him. That was the high point of his career. Never did much after that. Lost to Machida in his, his UFC debut, if I remember correctly. You know, uh, I saw him fight Affliction. He lost to Babalu. Never really recovered from that quick early start. I've just been around long enough. In MMA, like, you know, an old football head. Oh, my God, this can't-miss prospect. Dude, an old football guy, an old coach, an old whatever scout could tell you off the top of his head a million can't-miss prospects that didn't work out. I've seen a lot of them. Once again, I'm not saying Bo Nickel is one of them. I'm saying I don't know. And he's got to face real competition at some point in the UFC to tell me what his ceiling might be. But he looks good so far. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. A very special fight on the PFL roster. That's right. Stevie Ray is going to be taking on Olivier Albon Mercier in the lightweight finals of the season. How you doing, my man? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? Doing well, doing well. So, Olivier Albon Mercier, uh, the way you got here, two wins over Anthony Pettis. First time around, twister submission. Second time around, very, very smart fight, winning by decision, essentially outpacing him. Um, did you want, I'm very curious about this, did you want uh, a, like two different opponents? So I was looking at it, 
Anthony Pettis twice. Um, would it have been better to have a couple of different opponents where, with a couple of different styles to get to the finals? Or are you happy having Pettis both times? Very curious about that. Uh, yeah, I, I would rather have had Pettis both times. Uh, one, it gives me the most amount of exposure. Um, mm. And I had the confidence knowing I'd, I could beat him again because I'd just beat him. So, uh, so, yeah, I think it worked out, you know, pretty good getting him twice rather than two different opponents. And, uh, yeah, I've had, like, 40-plus fights, so I'm, I'm fairly mm. experienced in terms of different styles and stuff. Uh, what, are f- yeah. what are your thoughts on uh, Olivier Albon-Mercier as an opponent? He's a big 55-er. <laughs> he's stocky. He wins by decision every single time. Every fight in PFL has been by decision, has a high fight IQ, a very different style than Anthony Pettis. What are your thoughts about taking him on? Yeah, I mean it's a tough test. Um, like you said, he's uh, he knows how he knows how to win. Um, you know he gets it done even if it's a bit boring. Um, you know some of his fights hasn't uh, been the most fan favorite. Um, he's a he's a good wrestler. He hits hard. He's big for the weight. Um, yeah, it's a good good tough test. But I believe in my skills and I believe uh, I could get the win. Something you hear all the time in MMA is, well, you got to find somebody that's going to make him fight. When someone wins a lot by decision, Alba Mercier is a great example. Um, Israel Asani is a great example. We always talk about finding somebody that can make him fight. How do you make someone like Olivier Alba Mercier fight? How do you get him out of his comfort zone? Because when he's in his comfort zone, he's very good at controlling the pace and the distance of the fight. How do you get him out of that zone? Uh, punch him in the face. <laughs> nah, but, um, <laughs> I mean, uh, like you said, he, most of his fights have went to decisions recently. Um, you know, although he is a good fighter, um, it's a five-round fight, and I know, I know if it if it's going to go five rounds, um, for him to be able to control me for all five rounds and and to be able to survive me not, you know. Uh, whacking him in the face at least once. The, yeah, it's a, it's a tough ask for him to just control me the whole five rounds, I would say. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm obviously preparing for uh, a five-round war. Um, I'll be going out looking for the finish, as, as always, but he's never been finished in his whole career, so I know it's going to be tough. Um, I'm not sure if it's the first time he'll have, uh, you know, done five rounds. I've done five rounds before. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting matchup. <clears throat> so, when, when you look at this fight, of course, I'm speaking to Stevie Ray. Uh, once again, the lightweight finals, PFL. This idea that you were first thrown Anthony Pettis and now Olivier Albon-Mercier, two recent free agent signings from, from, from the UFC. And once again... It's like people overlook your skills. They overlook what you're capable of doing, even though you beat Joe Lazan, uh, you beat Michael Johnson in the UFC. Um, do you think it's like a continuing battle for respect, or do you think about those kind of things at all? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, like, uh, I've, beat, I've beat some good guys. I've fought, uh, you know, I, I've never backed down a fight ever. I, I've never declined a fight. I fight, you know, whoever they put in front of me. And, uh, yeah, obviously... You know some some big wins, some some losses as well. But uh, yeah, I believe in I believe in my uh, abilities. You know, I, I feel like I hit hard. Um, 
and uh, I've got good grappling, um, and I, I believe uh, I've got the skills to obviously get the job done. Uh, what I'm curious about, and a lot of people don't know this, you submitted Patty Pimlet in, in 2019, a professional grappling event, and one thing I talk about is somebody like Olivier Albamercier, he's big, he's strong, uh, powerful ground and pound, but he's allowed to kind of work at his own pace on top. Gilbert Burns, Kamzat Shemaev was another one where I said, look, normally Shemaev, once he's on top, he's allowed to do what he wants to do. Gilbert Burns made him work in a lot of those positions. Part of the reason Kamzat got tired in that fight. Uh, having great jiu-jitsu, which a lot of people don't realize how good your jiu-jitsu is, is it about keeping Albon Mercier off balance? Even if you get taken down, making him defend, making him work the entire time, is that part of the strategy? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll be going in there just trying to finish him any way possible you know if he come if he comes in obviously i'll try and defend the takedowns but i'm not too worried if he does take me down end up on my back i'll be trying to submit him um you know from from the bottom or from the top i'll just be going in there trying to finish him you know anywhere possible um yeah i, I believe in my skills you know whether that be playing guard uh you know on my back or on top on top of him or on the feet um I'm well. I, I think I'm well-rounded enough to be able to cope in any kind of department. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, and like I said, it's five rounds as well. So uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good fight. Uh, I'm speaking, of course, to Stevie Ray, standout lightweight in PFL. He's going to be part of the pay-per-view. That's right. Uh, main cards come on ESPN Plus paper. ESPN Plus pay-per-view eight. PM. It's a PFL World Championships. What do you think about this? November twelfth, uh, Kayla Harrison, Larissa Pacheco is going to be the headliner. But it's really, um, you know, PFL's foray into pay per view. All the championship fights on the same card. What's your overall thought of being part of this event in total, man? Yeah, I mean, really cool. Uh, I mean, PFL are doing big things uh, recently. You know, you, you've seen some. Uh, some people come across from the UFC um, through choice as well, you know, because there's been a better contract on the table or whatever. Um, and it's, you know, it's making people realize, you know, UFC aren't the, the only promotion out there. You know, PFL are there as well. They've got money. Um, and now they've got like, uh, they've just signed the Channel 4 deal for the UK. So they're promoting it. And, you know, it's getting bigger across in the UK now as well. Um, and yeah, like running, I mean, they're paying out $5 million or something more than that on November 25th. Um, and uh, yeah, even if, you know, if I was still in the UFC, I wouldn't be fighting my next fight for a million dollars probably. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, there's there's got to be fighters out there looking at that, like I can go to PFL and potentially win a million dollars. Uh, is there a certain pride when you're affiliated, which I, I feel like you are now, with PFL? I noticed this when I was working in Bellator. There was kind of a – when someone came from the UFC and it was, hey, I'm kind of defending my turf. I'm defending my spot. The second – third time in a row, second fighter, but third time that you're facing a recent signing from the UFC. I know you fought in the UFC as well, but is there some thought now that – as a, a, a PFL fighter, as someone who's representing this brand, that you're kind of defending your spot. Is is that how you feel at all about it? Or is it, I'm after a million bucks, he's after a million bucks, that's the real prize. Are you defending PFL a little bit? 
Uh, I mean, when I fought Perth, I was almost, I had that mindset where I was like, I wanted to kind of prove yeah. maybe to the UFC because of what happened to the UFC. I wanted to kind of prove everybody in the UFC. I'm like, fuck, I could have still been fighting uh, all that time. You know, I, like I'm still here. I can still fight. I can, a, a lot of guys, when they come back from retirement, is you know, it doesn't usually work out well, but I was never ready to retire. You know, I emotionally retired uh, just with loads of emotions going on and it ended up being longer because of COVID. Um, and I didn't have a promotion that I was signed with. But uh, yeah, I mean, I had ring rust the first fight back. The second fight, I did feel like I wanted to go out and make a statement, especially against Anthony Pears. I managed to get the quite rare submission, Twister. Uh, it went a little bit viral and then I got a rematch straight away again so I feel like it worked out perfect for me I managed to beat him twice former UFC champion beat him twice within six weeks and now like you said I've got another UFC veteran and a tough test next fight <clears throat> so in your career 35 professional fights when you look at it is this fight happening against Olivier Alba Mercier for a million dollars when you look at the, the whole the breadth of your career from beginning to end, is this happening at the right time? Are you peaking in your career, in your mind right now, um, at the right time at 32? Is this the right time to be taking on the biggest challenge of your career, man? Yeah, I mean, I, I said, uh, you know, maybe I'm not sure what fight it was, but uh, it was maybe the first pass fight or the second pass fight. I said that I feel like I'm in my prime. Um, I mean... If you go back all those years ago, I was maybe younger and stuff, but I didn't have as much skills. Now I've got the skills. Uh, my body's healthy. That was obviously the biggest, uh, the biggest kind of question the last few years. You know, I had uh, some injuries, um, but yeah, I've overcame them. My body's healthy. I feel matured, skilled, and uh, I do. I feel like I'm in my prime, and uh, I suppose we'll find out November 25th. If, uh, if it's going to be my night, but I'll be more than prepared. You better believe that. So speak about that preparation. One of the difficult things about the, the PFL tournament, and, and you know Anthony Pettis, Anthony Pettis talked about this publicly. He said, I really wasn't ready for the schedule, the quick turnaround in fights, and you turn around, you're fighting somebody else very, very quickly. Uh, you get a bit of a break until November 25th. How much does that help your body? How much does that help your mind, man? Uh, I think it depends on you as a fighter. I mean, because some mm. people it can be negative because you could maybe end up packing on a lot of weight, um, especially the way the formats went. Um, uh, you know, it's like, yes, we've got so long and you can maybe go on and, uh, you know, fire on the weight, eat all the bad food. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been pretty much, you know, I had a, a week, maybe two weeks off because um, I had a week off mandatory, kind of relaxing. Um, then I went to both the PFL shows in the UK. So I went and enjoyed myself a bit. But I was still training. And then, yeah, pretty much since then, I've just been back training um, and enjoying it as well. You know, training, not nothing too serious. Uh, and then just as the weeks have went on, we've just increased the intensity a bit. Now, obviously, almost eight weeks out, um, starting to pick things up. My body's healthy, um, I'm, and I'm enjoying it. That's the main thing. I'm actually, you know, enjoying it. I was training because I had to. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's obviously a really good thing when when somebody's enjoying it. You know, I'm, I'm enjoying my training, and I've the love for the sport again. 
Right, that's you. Uh, Stevie, it's been awesome to see your journey in PFL, man. It's it's awesome to see people overlook you all the time. You come out on top. Best of luck to you November 25th. Best of luck to you in your training, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. Anytime, Stevie. Appreciate it. November 25th against Olivier Albaumercier. MMA on SiriusXM is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Plus, catch Unlocking the Cage weekdays from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern and MMA Today Tuesday to Thursday from 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, Channel 156, and on the SXM app. SiriusXM Podcasts.